Dose, New York Knicks podcast. The Knicks, a disastrous loss to Utah. It was a loss they could not take. They could not have it. You're watching that game and you're thinking, there's no way they win this game. Even when they started coming back, they would have taken. I was, I was almost, I was almost sucked in. They were down three. They had a chance to hit that shot. I was almost sucked in. But they were from soup to nuts, dressed down by the Utah Jazz and Will Hardy. And you know me, I'm not even, I'm not even that Tibbs guy who's always criticizing Tibbs and Tibbs can't coach. I'm not even that guy. Will Hardy undressed Tibbs in this game. Undressed him. And I know the Knicks have been struggling defensively, but the one thing with the Knicks struggles defensively is we're, you're looking at it through a Nick prism and not the league prism. The league is scoring a lot of points right now. They're scoring a lot of points. Yes, defense is the Knicks calling card, and they're definitely, definitely falling off a cliff when it comes um, to their defense for several reasons. No question, no doubt. Egg on my face saying the Knicks' problem coming into the season was going to be their offense, not their defense. At least it looks that way. They did lose Mitchell Robinson. I don't think that's the biggest deal, but it did hurt them a little bit in this game because it was a few times that Hartenstein was at the basket when people were going to the basket, and he was more more interested in, in boxing out than contesting at the front of the rim. And Hartenstein kind of gets into that zone sometimes. But more so than losing Mitch and replacing him with Hartenstein, the issue is Sims. Sims does not have good rim protection instincts. He's good on the perimeter. Uh, decent on the perimeter defensively, but he doesn't have good rim protection instincts. Not at all. And that's where it really hurts. It hurts at the backup position. And we'll talk about the Taj Gibson signing in a minute. But this game, you saw all of those actions Utah was running. Slipping, picking rolls, you know, uh, shooting over smaller players, shooting behind the screen. It was like what they knew what the Knicks were going to do. They ran plays to counter what the Knicks do, and they did not hesitate to shoot, pass, or drive based on the read. And it got to the point where it seemed like Utah was scoring on every possession. It was also very obvious that, uh, what's his name? Why is his name escaped? Colin. Colin Sexton had a bug up his ass when it came to the Knicks. There was no question about it. He had a bug up his butt. There's no question there were some – the Knicks were tied to trading for Colin uh, at some point a few years ago before his injuries. Uh, there were some ties between Colin and the Knicks organization, and I think Colin took it personally, an opportunity to really go at the Knicks in this game once uh, the point guard got hurt. Keontae George got hurt, and I, I, I can't say that, you know, once you lose the point guard that they decide to start a point guard on the team, you, you'd hope that it gives you some kind of advantage. And it gave them no advantage at all. Colin Sexton came out in this game and murdered, murdered the Knicks. Murdered them. And there was hardly any help at the rim. Obviously, when they played Olenek and Markkinen, again, you're in a stretch five situation. And you're in a stretch five situation where the four is also a big player. And it's not so much that the Knicks got outsized, even though Olenek bullied, uh, bullied someone to the rim at some point in the game. It wasn't so much that they were outsized, but, you know, the Knicks just couldn't match up on the perimeter with them at all. 
guys were getting by them and breaking the defense down with no problem and and the plays that they ran created open opportunities all day long and that's why i don't even know if mitchell robinson helps that that much in this game because mitchell would have got got on those plays too they were running play they were reading and reacting to the Knicks defense. That's what they were doing. That's what I've been calling for for the Knicks offense. But again, not going to talk about the Knicks offense when their defense is struggling so bad. But read and react. Read and react. They ran actions, and as soon as you made a mistake, they burned you on it by design. It wasn't so much, oh, these players are really instinctive passers. They, of course, they're good players. Olenek is an excellent passer, an excellent uh basketball IQ guy no question but that's not what happened it was by design they came into this game knowing that they can get these shots and these opportunities and when Colin Sexton left left this game they bring in um Horton Tucker and he murders the Knicks murders them they they essentially just isolated him most of the time the Knicks had no answers to anything they were doing it's like they were ill-prepared and you know Tibbs is not coming to games ill-prepared so this this was Will Hardy being prepared to counter everything the Knicks do. And, of course, the Knicks had the buzzard luck of getting Laurie Markkinen back in this game. Laurie Markkinen has been hurt for a couple weeks. And all of a sudden, boom, Laurie Markkinen, healthy. I'm looking at I'm looking at the, the prep for the game, and I see Laurie Markkinen, who's been out for weeks. All of a sudden, boom, healthy, ready to play. On the minutes restriction, and you would think when they came out of the game, or he came out of the game, the Knicks would have an advantage. No. No, no. It was seamless. When when uh, they bring in Walker Kessler and you see that, okay, they don't have a shooting center now. They have a center that has to be around the basket. Maybe the Knicks have an advantage now. No, they still, they still work the Knicks. With that baseline cut, as soon as they make the defender come up on penetration, baseline cut, alley-oop, throw it over the top to Walker. No matter how you slice it, he's at the front of the rim with a smaller player on him or, or a bigger player on his back. They ran a play one time where they were going to shoot the three, and they, they situated Walker inside of, of Hartenstein before the shot even went up. And he got the offensive rebound in the M1. Like, this was a schematic loss, and you've seen me. T- I said this in the Cleveland game, the second Cleveland game, the second half of the back-to-back. I said the Knicks lose this game. Uh, I believe I said about that game, but I said this is a, this will be a schematic loss if the Knicks lost that game because the Cavs just didn't have the horses to keep up with the Knicks, so they would have just adjusted from the night before. And and of course they play with a lot of heart too in that game. In fairness, because they have a bone pick with the Knicks, so they play with a lot of heart in that second game after getting blown out the first one. But it was a schematic loss, and and I can't, I don't know. It it definitely came down to the Hardy out coaching Tibbs in this game, no question. But I don't know what adjustments Tibbs could have made on the fly to what Will Hardy was doing. He he would have had to scrap his entire defense. You know, I would have definitely gone to more switches, but they they worked those switches too. But I definitely would have gone to more switches. But even with the switching, just your defensive discipline not being solid and not being physical enough, they still took advantage of of uh, the angles when you switched the gaps because the switches weren't clean. They worked the Knicks in this game. They worked them, but give the Knicks credit, they came back. But like, let's take the credit away. Because I don't understand why you didn't play with that same pace the whole game. You play with this pace throughout the game to slow the game down every single possession. And then when the other team is scoring freely and easily 
and you come down and you take 20 seconds to, to get a shot up and you don't make it, it just looks bad. It's bad for the whole team. It's a bad rhythm. It's bad for bad for Mojo. Play with pace. You saw how they came back in that game playing with pace in the fourth quarter. They were down big. It was looking like it was going to be a blowout. The Knicks came back and were down three. Like, come on. Play with that pace the whole game. And you see Jalen Brunson, I say it all the time, it's not necessarily rocket science, but Jalen Brunson doesn't play well. The Knicks need RJ play well and Randall to play well. They didn't have no RJ playing well. So it was just Randall and Jalen. His numbers might look okay, but he did not play well. He's missing free throws. He's missing threes. Um, um, it's, it's heartbreaking to see because Jalen does not shy away from shooting. So that's the problem. If he's not hitting his shots, he doesn't shy away from shooting, and he shouldn't. But, he, you know, when you're the point guard, you can't do that. You can't be the point guard, dribble the ball all the way down court, hold the ball, and shoot, <laughs> and not be making consistently because it's bad mojo for the team. So... In that situation, if you're not shooting well, but you still got to be aggressive, then someone else, you got to move the ball at least and get it back and be aggressive as a secondary. Don't be aggressive as a primary ball handler when you're not making. And you saw Julius Randle had another outstanding game, another outstanding game, because teams are less and less trying to double team Julius, thinking that they can just guard him. And Julius, is, uh, his approach to the game, his method, his process – adjusted right before that Milwaukee game, that in-season Milwaukee game. I told you that right after the game. Everything I saw from Julius made me happy, right? It wasn't just the points. It was how he was shooting, how he was releasing. It was how he attacked. All of that stuff made me happy. He was good. He's been good ever since. I don't know what happened. He's been good ever since against good defenders. He did that to Giannis, and there was a story. Fred Katz told a story about how uh, in one of the previous games, Randall isolated Giannis and didn't go well. Fred Katz kind of called him on it. And then it seemed like the locker room, the, the coaching staff called him on it too. And then he comes out and he plays Giannis and puts 40 on him. Right? And then you see the Toronto Raptors. You think those are all good matchups for Toronto with good defenders, beefy defenders, and Scotty Barnes, smart defenders, and, and uh, OG uh, Ananobi, and, and also a beefy defender. And then you got Siakam, who's quick, long arms, etc. And he worked each and every one of them and not double teaming him. The problem to me in this Utah game is in that fourth quarter. And you got to balance out the criticism because they scored a ton of points and come back in the game. But they also went down a ton of points in that fourth quarter to, to even have to come back. And, and at the end of the third. Right. But Julius Randle got one shot in the fourth. And you got people saying that Julius Randle didn't want the ball and blah, blah. That's nonsense. That's nonsense. You make it up stuff. He just didn't get the ball because Jalen was either rushing the ball down court and making good plays or rushing the ball down court and making bad plays, but they didn't go out of their way to get the ball to Julius. And to me, that's a mistake. When Julius is hot, he's got to get the ball. And I say that about anybody. He's got to get the ball. And and I want to push the pace. You want to push the pace. This gun ball is going to be in Jalen's hands. Fine. But Jalen's not playing well. He gets into the teeth of that defense. That ball gets sprayed out. People are taking good shots. That's fine. But when you're in that half court, uh, Julius Randle needed to get that ball. But it's hard to criticize what they did in that fourth quarter because they came back from that big deficit. But, you know, you you were down because of how everyone else played, not Julius. That's all I'm saying. 
because Julius it was Julius shouldn't have been punished by not getting the ball at all in that fourth quarter. But again, they scored points, so it, it becomes nitpicky. But Julius Randle was a hero in this game, and he's been consistent night in, night out. And gotta give him credit as much as you criticize him. You gotta give him credit when he's playing well, and he played well last night. And nobody else is playing well, and it's not his fault. And his assist numbers might not reflect his unselfishness because teams are not double team him, and he has to attack him. He has to go out, and he's playing well doing it. So you gotta, gotta give him credit, and you gotta criticize Jalen. And here we go with R.J. Barrett again. Here we go with R.J. Barrett again, putting egg on my face because I saw you come into this season with a new shot, a new attitude, playing well. You get hurt, and now you look like a bum. You look like a bum. It breaks my heart. I'm here on the recording my voice, vouching for you. Recording my voice, vouching for you. On the record, and you out here looking like a bum. I understand he got a little bit better a handful of games ago, but you can't come out here looking like this. He came out. This is why, you know what? He came out wanting to prove something to Danny Ainge because Danny Ainge played hardball, didn't want R.J. Barrett for most of the summer. Then somehow the negotiations changed towards the end of the summer. But there was no question that he didn't want R.J. Barrett early in the summer. Those reports were pervasive, and then those reports flipped towards the end of the summer. And then Donovan Mitchell negotiations, by the way. That's what I'm talking about. So he came out in this game wanting to prove something, just like Colin Sexton wanted to prove something to the Knicks. But Colin Sexton is built like that, and I'm not sure R.J. is. Because he came out looking looking sorry. And I don't want to overstate it because I've said many times that R.J. Barrett is built for New York. He's built for the pressure. But he wasn't built for what he was trying to do last night against Utah. And he should have been able to play well with the matchups he had. It's a joke, the game he had. The Knicks can't survive that. They can't survive having Jalen being, uh, you know, lowercase Jalen. And R.J. Barrett being as terrible as he was. And then IQ came and he saved the Knicks in the first half. Played, he played amazingly. And then you saw a lot of talk when he got pulled. And I, and I have to agree with some of it. And, and I will just couch it by saying he's coming off an injury. And he was he was really, like, uh, questionable before the game. I don't know if that was the official, uh, the official designation. But he was, they made the call right before the game. So he's dealing with any injury, knee soreness. So you're not going to run him ragged. But he's playing well, and I hate that. I hate, and sometimes Tibbs keeps people in when they're playing well. So I'm not gonna. Again, some people they take things to extremes, but I don't like seeing a guy play well and you take him out. <laughs> you put people in who ain't playing well. I don't like it. Play him. Keep playing him. You needed the. You needed the game. You needed the victory. You want to ride that horse at least for a couple more minutes. If you're gonna consider his knee injury, that couple more minutes ain't gonna burn him. Just play it, man. Just play it. Take it out for what? In the second half, he don't have it. He didn't have it in the second half. He lost by three. I mean, I'm not one of those people that's going to talk about a basket or two in the first half mattering at the end of the game, but it does. <laughs> to some degree, it does. It's not It's not direct. All right? People make it direct. Well, if you made that layup in the first half, they'd have been down by one. Like, no, it don't work like that. The game progresses differently. All right? When it, especially when you get down to the last five minutes, you know, the, the game progresses differently. To some degree, all right? To some degree. I don't care what you say. But, yes, if IQ stays in that game, maybe the Knicks uh, do better <laughs> in that first half. Maybe they do better. Maybe they don't give confidence to Utah the way, confidence, the way Utah was confident 
in that game playing with they you could see them turn it up you can see them just keep turning the meter up turning the meter up turning the meter up because they see that the Knicks can get got right even when the Knicks start scoring it's like we can score too right the Knicks can't get in a back and forth with teams uh because the team most teams have a bunch of scores and a much freer flowing flowing ops, offense and they play with a lot more pace and you once again you saw some bad transition defense Jalen Brunson was the culprit on the play it looked like it was Quentin Grimes Quentin Grimes was the one who was getting his name called out on the broadcast not necessarily to be blamed but in reality Quentin took the, the shot and his man contested and, and ran out but it wasn't Quentin's responsibility to get back and and be with that and be with that particular player it was Jalen's Jalen's at the top of the key he needed to get back on that Quentin took the shot. He's supposed to take the shot and catch up to the guy, too. You know, and get back as quick as you can. But Jalen needs to match up with that guy. And Jalen was sitting there asleep. He didn't know him. even know the guy ran out. A terrible game from Jalen. Just a terrible game all around. It was a bad loss. It's a tough road trip. And now, now the sky might be falling. <laughs> because people are posting the standings. People are listing who's good. And everybody forgets where the Knicks were last December this time, right? Everybody forgets, like, the season that Boston went to the finals, that they were under 500, I believe, in December that year. Like, this is too early to be making a case for where the season is going, all right? But uh, and the Knicks are playing into the worst of the worst when it comes to analysis. They are playing into it. The lack of perspective, you know, the lack of understanding, that uh, it's early in the season and it's going to be some hiccups. It's going to be a bad loss here and there. But at the end of the day, the Knicks are in the middle of the pack on offense. They're top 10 in defense still. They're not a bad team. And now all of all the roster is flawed and this guy, and heart is too small. Like, none of that is the reason why they're losing. None of it. None of it. They're losing because they don't play with enough pace on offense. They're losing it because they're not playing with enough enough uh, versatility defensively in the sense that their schemes need more versatility because teams know what they're doing and they need to switch it up more, right? I, I swear to God, and Tibbs' critics are right. And the ones who say this, they're right. Teams have caught up to what Tibbs is doing. They have caught up to the, to the ineptitude of drop coverage, right? Drop coverage is an inept defense most of the time. But Tibbs, he does it better than most. And Mitchell does it better than most. The Nick players don't do it better than most. But you need to switch that up. It can work. It does work for the Knicks. If you historically, it, I mean, we're only in December of this year. Historically, it has worked for the Knicks. All right? But right now, it's not working. I'm not saying they need to scrap the whole defense. I'm saying you got to switch it up. You have to get people off balance. Keep, get guys off balance. Okay? Get them off balance. And then maybe they're not so confident in the plays that they're making. This is a sickening loss. It really is. Now they go into Phoenix to play the Suns. And the Suns are in full, at full strength now. And the Suns were another team that knew exactly how to attack the Knicks defense. It was another team. You heard me talk about it on the show. Another team that knew exactly how to attack the Knicks defense. Exactly how to find shots. And now you got to deal with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant wasn't there last time. Now you got to deal with Bradley Beal. He wasn't there last time. So this is a this is a loss. This is looking like a loss. Now the Knicks in the past, last year, they used to respond to situations like this. Josh Hart didn't have a great game. Another guy who didn't have a great game in that Utah game. Josh Hart. 
you know, didn't, didn't wasn't able to create the plays that he usually creates. And that's usually that was mostly because Utah was kind of playing his own defense. And so him penetrating, finding open people, not, not quite the same. Quentin Grimes didn't have the same game that he's been having the last couple of games. His own defense stifled him, too. I mean, the Knicks put points on the board. Again, they're putting points on the board, but it's the way they're doing it. Um, the pace they're doing it at, it's just it's not good enough when your defense is struggling. It's not good enough when your defense is mid. It's average. To talk about this team is just, it's toxic because, you know, every time you hear people talk about the Knicks, they talk about, oh, you know, there's a ceiling to this roster, there's a ceiling to how good this team is. All right, Woj discussed this, Shams, and everybody's been, been, been discussing this because they're talking about trade stuff. And it's like, yes, that's true for every damn team in the league. <laughs> okay, but the Knicks, we all know the Knicks are looking to make a move. Stop grading the Knicks on the move they haven't made yet. And people keep talking about the superstars who moved over the summer. The Knicks ain't one of them players. The only players I keep saying, that the only players who moved that might have been interesting to the Knicks are Drew Holiday and Chris Tapps Porzingis. And Porzingis, probably not the right play for the Knicks at $36 million a year. He's not that guy. Brzingis is a number two, not even a number two. He hasn't even proven himself to be a number two guy. He's a number three guy, a number four guy. And he's a he's a wicked one if he's a four guy. He's a wicked one if he's a three guy, the way Boston is using him. Okay? But he's not a two guy or a one guy. He's not that guy. So $36 million a year, and I know guys are making a lot more than that, but for the Knicks, when you don't have the one guy, the number one yet, it may be Jalen's that guy or whatever, but uh, – when you don't have the, the the real number one guy, the unquestioned number one guy, you can't afford to pay a number three guy uh, thirty six million, who's really going to be like a number four guy because you still need a number one guy, <laughs> right? You can't do it. Drew Holiday didn't want to come to the Knicks. After that, don't talk, don't talk to me about Chris Paul, Jordan Poole. Don't talk to me about um, uh, Bradley Beal. None of those guys are going to make Don't talk to me about none of these guys. And some of you guys want the Knicks to make a trade, and you want Zach Levine in here and DeMar DeRozan. They play together, and they suck. And you want them to come here? You know how much money Zach Levine makes? That's, the, that's your number one guy? That's the guy? You think Zach Levine is better than Jalen Rose? I want you to think about it. Is DeMar DeRozan better than Jalen Rose? I want you. I mean, Jalen Rose. Jalen Brunson? I want you to think about it. Think it through. Is he? So how is he the number one? Now, I mean, if you can get the Rosen on the cheap and not have to give up too much, sure, I, I, I'm not even going to get into the, how it fits basketball-wise, but if he's not going to be expensive to bring him, okay. Same thing with Bogdanovich. If it's not going to be expensive to get him, okay, cool, all right. Let's see how it works because they're good players. But they're not better than Jalen Brunson. You guys thinking when you're talking? None of those guys are better than Jalen Brunson. Name the guy who you heard is available who's better than Jalen Brunson. The whole point is to get a guy who's better than Jalen Brunson if you think they need a superstar. But if you're thinking more like me, where it's like, okay, they don't really need a superstar. They need, need, need a guy. If RJ's on the team, you need a guy who can definitely shoot from the outside. 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, can definitely shoot threes, shoot them off the dribble, but knows how to function against second-level defense. Definitely defend the position, but he doesn't have to be a superstar. But he has to be able to do those things. Has to. Now, I ain't going to say nothing, but I think Grimes has that potential. He's not 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, that's, that's kind of the problem in that on that front. But in terms of everything else I said, Quentin Grimes has that potential. He's not doing it. So 
It is what it is. But when R.J. Barrett is on this team, you need that other, if you need another scorer, he has to be perimeter-based. Because if you need another guy that has to get below the free throw line extended to score, then you're going to struggle because R.J. Barrett is not shooting the ball well, which is the real problem down the stretch of games and close games against good teams because they will leave him open, which means you can't get efficient work done inside the paint. So it has to be a guy that can shoot from the outside and can score from outside the paint consistently and is comfortable doing so because if he has to get inside the paint consistently, it's just going to be more of a cluster F against against for the Knicks. All right, it's going to be more shots forced at the front of the rim against bad spacing because RJ can't shoot right now. That's why it's so disappointing to see RJ struggling like this. He had to turn the corner, and he's and I give him the excuse of injury or whatever. But at some point, the Knicks need you to. They need you. This is pro basketball. They can't sit here and spoon feed you in and wipe your mouth when you're done. You gotta you gotta produce, man. You're hurting the team. You're hurting the team not being efficient from the outside. You are hurting the team. And then when he scores points and he isn't efficient from the outside, people are like, oh, can we points you score? He had 20 points and one assist. And he was one for five from three. Like, come on, man. That's not going to cut it. That's not, that's not enough. He gets too many shots. He gets too many shots. You can't just look at his points. Look at his efficiency. But if RJ's on the team... You know, that superstar who needs to get to the front of the rim and is trying to get fouled and, like, needs the ball, like, RJ's on the team, it's not going to help. I'm telling you, it's not going to help. It's going to – would they be better? Sure. It's not going to help. If RJ's on the team, you're better off just getting a guy who can slide in and be perimeter-based. It's You need Norman Powell. <laughs> That's what you need. I keep, I keep saying it. You need a 6'7 Norman Powell. And he's not 6'7". That's what you need. Everything that Norm Powell does, that's what you need if R.J. Barrett's going to be on this team. Don't even waste your time trying to get that superstar. R.J. Barrett's going to be here not shooting. You, 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 better, you better pray that R.J. Barrett starts hitting outside shots if you bring that superstar in here. Otherwise, it's just going to be a mess. It's going to be the same mess. You're going to have one ball and a bunch of guys, Jalen, Randall, R.J., and a new guy trying to score all at the front of the rim. Can't, it's not going to work. Not going to work. However, if you replace RJ with that superstar player, then it's different. I think it changes everything for the Knicks. That's why I was so big on that Paul George over the summer, even though he's ancient. It's like you bring Paul George in here and move RJ in that deal. Now, it'd be nice if RJ wasn't in the deal, but sure. You bring Paul George in here. Paul George is everything that you need. If you had RJ still, if you were able to get him and keep RJ and keep Randall, which is almost impossible, that's a, that's a team that fits to me because Paul George can score from the outside. He doesn't have to get to the front of the rim. So he's not going to get he's not going to get in anyone else's way. He, and no one's going to get in his way. Obviously Paul George is a superstar and we ain't going to get him. I'm just saying it would have been a perfect Perfect fit, and I talked about it ad nauseum over the summer. I understand his age, and and the cost does matter. And RJ probably goes in that trade, but realistically, it's just to me, it doesn't make sense to bring anybody in here who does not defend the position and score primarily from the outside. If RJ's gonna be here, otherwise, you're wasting you're wasting everything, wasting everything. Trade him and get the guy you want, who get who's a three level scorer, 
the fans and everything. And then you can have maybe Grimes out there to compliment because RJ can't compliment anybody right now. The Knicks signed Taj Gibson. You fools out there are clowning the move. It's exactly what the Knicks need. He's low-key, exactly what I said they needed on the bench. They needed somebody who could stretch the floor as a small ball five and play back up four if, if Julius gets hurt. Now, you're not going to like it if Sims doesn't play because of Taj Gibson. You're not going to like it. But if you want to win, you play Taj Gibson over Sims. If you don't want to win, you play Sims and you develop young player. Taj developed a three-point shot in Washington. Uh, he definitely has a baseline jump shot. He improves your spacing. He's always in the right place defensively. Uh, sometimes he can be overwhelmed by size. Sometimes he can be overwhelmed by speed and quickness, but he's always in the right spot. He can score around the front of the rim uh, better than Mitchell can, better than Sims can. And uh, again, if you need size of that backup four, now you have competent size in Taj Gibson. And I, I'm telling you, the Knicks want to win, Taj Gibson plays over Sims, and y'all not going to like it. <laughs> y'all not going to like it. I think it's going to be a situation where Sims starts games and Taj finishes quarters. Instead of Sims coming back in the game, it's going to be Taj. And in the fourth quarter, it's going to be Taj or Hartenstein. That's my prediction. So you guys clown this move. You know, they cut a guy who's not playing, and they fill up his, they, they fill a position on the roster with a guy who does everything that they need now that Mitchell Robinson is hurt. So what you complain about? This don't got nothing to do with trading for superstar. Grow up. At Sports Ethos on Twitter, at Ethos Knicks. Until next time. <laughs>